All right, if you'd turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. I'd like to thank my dad for this opportunity to preach. Uh, I couldn't talk him out of it. Apologize if you get to go to lunch early this morning. Uh, I know as Baptists, we're all going to be disappointed about that. So, Mark chapter 11, uh, I'll read a number of verses starting in verse 1. It says, And when they came nigh to Jerusalem, unto Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go your way unto the village, over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door, without in a place where two ways met, and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye, loosing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees, and strawed them in the way. And they that went before, and they that followed, cried, saying, Hosanna. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David, that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked round about upon all things, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this morning, uh, for us all arriving safely at church, Lord. God, I just thank you for the freedom you've given us to worship you, Lord. God, I just pray that uh, if there's even a nugget of truth in this message you've given, Lord, that we just deal with you directly. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now the, uh, the primary emphasis on this passage is um, the triumphant entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. It was this very Sunday morning that Jesus fulfilled the ancient prophecy that Zechariah had prophesied many years ago. Zechariah had wrote in Zechariah 9, verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. That prophecy was literally fulfilled here in this scripture. This passage is a revelation that Jesus was the king of Israel. He is their long-awaited Messiah and king. The common man rejoiced. They, they went ahead and behind Jesus and cried, Hosanna! Hosanna! But you know, the leaders and the Pharisees and Sadducees, they rejected him. Before the next Sabbath day, many more would reject him and he'd be crucified. Israel rejected their king. John 1 verse 11 says, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. 
You know, the teaching of this passage is glorious, and I'm sure we've all read it multiple times. But I'm sure we've also glanced over the fact, uh, some of the smaller details, and the fact that Jesus used a lowly little donkey. Jesus, who is king of all, creator of everything, could have came in, roading in his glory in anything he wanted to. He could have uh, called down 10,000 angels, showed off his might in that way. He could have ridden in on a flaming chariot, or maybe on the king's horse, led by a thousand servants. He could have, in modern days, ridden in on maybe a Rolls Royce or a Bentley, a couple years before that time, but very possible. But Jesus chose to use a lowly little donkey. The way that he still uses little donkeys this morning. The little donkeys of you and I, earthen vessels that can still be used as a big part of his plan. You know, without that donkey, he wouldn't have fulfilled prophecy. You know, Jesus today could, by himself, uh, do anything he wanted to. He could fulfill his works here on earth without needing us at all. He could call angels to do the works, and I'm sure it would be a lot more efficient than us. But he chose to use, and he still chooses to use us, you and I. I'm glad he chooses to use us, because we can bring him glory. So there's a few facts this morning I want to look about this little donkey. I think we can uh, get some help in our hearts from these verses. So there will be quite a few scriptures, but I think we can learn something from it. We don't know much about the donkey that Jesus rode that day, but the Bible does reveal a few facts that I want to look at. My title this morning is, The Lord Hath Need of Thee. The Lord Hath Need of Thee. My first point is, that donkey had to be redeemed. That donkey had to be redeemed. Turn, if you will, to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13, it says in verse 13, And every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. Very similar verse, but in Exodus 34, verse 20. Exodus 34, verse 20 says, But the firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. You know, in Israel's days, in the, in the Jewish times under the law, it, it was uh, custom to bring the firstling of a sheep or goat to remit the sin of the person as a burnt offering. Um, but when it came to donkeys, they didn't bring the donkey to be sacrificed. They brought a lamb in its place. You know, praise God today, you and I, as these pictures of little donkeys, we don't have to on our own pay for our sin. We can be redeemed by the blood of the lamb. The spotless lamb of Jesus can be applied to our account, and we don't have to pay for our sins on our own. You know, on our own, we're helpless. We're still tied to that post. We can be of no use to God. In our own state, we're dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2.1 says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. You know, on our own, we were God's enemies. Romans 8 verse 7 says, 
because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. On our own, we were given over to the lust of the flesh. Ephesians 2, verse 2 through 3 says, Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, and now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had all converse, our conversation in times past, and the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. On our own, we were under condemnation from God. John 3.18, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. On our own, we were fit for nothing but the fires of hell. Psalm 9.17, The wicked shall be turned into hell. On our own, we were useless to God and separated by sin. Isaiah 59, verse 2, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. That was our natural state. That was us on our own. That was us tied to that post. But when he saved us, he didn't leave us that way. He changed us completely, and he redeemed us. Praise God. He gave us life, everlasting life, heavenly life, and abundant life. He delivered us from our penalty of sin. He bridged the gulf between sin and himself. That's the only reason you and I have any usefulness to the Lord today. On our own, tied to that post, tied to our sin, we were of no use to God. But praise God for his redeeming power, the blood of the Lamb. Just we understand, God didn't tell us to look deep into ourselves and find whether we're really bad enough to need redemption. He, he told Nicodemus on the contrary in John 3 verse 7, Ye must be born again. Without this new birth, you are lost in your sins. You notice that the Lord didn't say to Nicodemus that he needed to be baptized. He needed to join a specific church, turn over a new leaf, or do good things in the community. He didn't need to give away his possessions or uh, stop a certain sin. It's not the fact of being a better person. Salvation is when you turn from your sin and you're convicted of it. Look to faith, look to God by faith uh, for Jesus' salvation. It's an encounter of the grace of God. It's totally unconnected to whatever we can do. It's all by God's grace. Have you been redeemed this morning? You know, if you are saved this morning, that means that the Holy Spirit is living inside you. He's occupying the temple. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, if you're saved this morning, if you're redeemed, the Lord's living inside you, and you can be a tool that he uses. You can be an instrument, an earthen vessel that he chooses to use. You can be a tool. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. 
So first we saw that donkey needed to be redeemed. Second, I see that donkey had to be released. That donkey had to be released. Um, When Jesus told the disciples about this little donkey, he said that they would find him tied up. They were to untie the donkey and bring it to Jesus. And that's exactly what they did. That donkey was bound up and in need to be set free before the Lord could ever use it. When Jesus found us, we were exactly in that same state. We were tied to our sin, tied to our self, and our own will. Uh, As Ephesians 2 says, we were children of the devil and did the will that he wanted us to do. But in that condition, we were useless to God. We couldn't serve him, we couldn't live for him, and we couldn't bring any glory to his name. Just like that donkey couldn't bring any glory to God by being tied to that post. We need to be set free. You know, I praise his name that that's exactly what he does for each of us. He comes to us and sets us free. He delivers us from the bondage of our sins. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. He gives us a new desire to follow him and serve him. Titus 2.14 says, Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. You know, he makes us a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. He moves in and takes up residence in our bodies. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. He gives us freedom from sin, self, and Satan. John eight thirty six. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, Ye shall be free indeed. Has the Lord released you from anything this morning? I hope so. If you're saved this morning, he's released you from sin. Uh, Has the Lord given you victory over anything this morning? Can you look back to a time where the Lord's given you victory in your life? Has he freed you from anything? Praise his name for it. Stay set free. You know... I'm going to add a little bit of, I guess, Carl's analogy into the Bible. But if we were to read the story, uh, and it went something like, the disciples came to this donkey and untied it from the post and start to lead this donkey. And all of a sudden, the donkey maybe pipes up, like another famous donkey we know in Balaam's time. Uh, he says, here, give, give me the reins to that. I, that. That's a pretty nice house over there. I, I think I want to tie myself to that. So the donkey ties himself to this other house, this other post. And the disciples go, what are you doing? We, we just set you free. Like, we're bringing you to the master. Hey. Oh, oh, that's what I'm doing? Okay. Uh, yeah, set me free again. Okay. So, oh, that was a good knot. They take that knot out. All right, we're leading you to the master. Then he comes across maybe a palm tree. And this palm tree, it looks nice. It's got nice coconuts on it. It's got a nice shade tree. Uh, from the heat, 
So this donkey decides he's going to take the reins again and tie himself to that tree. And then the disciples go, what are you doing? We just told you we're, we're leading you to the master. Can you stop tying yourself to stuff? This donkey goes, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, set me free. Okay. So they take the, the reins, lead him to the master. Or maybe if we read uh, Jesus is riding on this donkey, and as he's going through the crowd, someone in the crowd has this nice, delicious red apple. And this donkey decides, you know what? That, that looks like a good apple. I think I'm going to go give my reins to that guy. He's got a nice apple. You know, as crazy as this story would be if that's the way it went, how often is that how our lives go? You know, as donkeys, we're, we're trying to get closer to the Savior. We're trying to be led uh, closer to what the Lord has us to do. But many times when the Lord sets us free from sin, we're saved. We find other ways to get ourselves tied up into other sins or distractions. We tie ourselves to other... Uh, we find new ways to tie ourselves up. And the Lord sets us free by His grace, and yet our human nature is to find another way to get tied up. Now, praise God, He has set us free from our sin. Let's stay set free. Praise God for his, his grace to keep setting us free. Uh, in verse 6, it says, And straightway he will send him hither. It means that the Lord said he would send the donkey right back as soon as he was finished with him. Jesus was telling the disciples to tell the owners or anyone who asked, Why are you setting this donkey free? Don't worry. He'll, he'll come back. But when this donkey came back, it didn't come back the same donkey. You know, it said before it left, no man had ever sat on it. It was unbroken, untrained. It was a wild donkey. It was pretty useless to even the owner. That's probably why he had it just tied up. You know, after the Lord got done with it, and that donkey came back, it was useful. That owner could use it. He, he was able to bring it to the market and use it to maybe carry groceries home. It wasn't scared of the crowd or, or uh, having stuff on its back. It was able to be saddled. That donkey was very useful after the Lord got done with it. You know, in our lives, give him your lemons. He'll give you back lemonade. Give him your acorns, and he'll give you back a mighty oak. Give him an Abram, a lost pagan, and he will give you back an Abraham, a mighty man of faith. Give him your Jacob, a schemer, a trickster, and he will give you back an Israel, a prince of God. Give him your Saul, a mean, cruel man, and he will give you back a Paul, a mighty apostle of God. Give him your Simon, and he will give you back a Peter, a rock for Jesus. Give him your broken, sin-scarred life, and he will give you back a new start, a new life, and a home in heaven. Give him your fears, and he will give you peace. Give him your tears, and he will give you joy. Give him your heartache, and he will give you happiness. We saw the second thing was that donkey had to be set free. The third point this morning is that donkey had to be ruled. Someone had to take charge over that donkey. Verse 2 tells us that that donkey was wild. It had never been broken to ride. It was a wild animal. 
That donkey needed a master. It was wild, yet it submitted itself to the Lord. It yielded to his control. That donkey wasn't frightened by the crowds or by the noise. It simply surrendered itself to the Lord totally. The very fact that this didn't go down like a rodeo was amazing. That's a miracle in itself. This donkey could have been like many bulls who, who don't want to be ridden, but are ridden anyway. But it submitted itself to the Savior. It yielded to his authority. That's exactly what the Lord expects of us. He's looking for total submission and total surrender from our lives. Let's face it, each of us have a carnal side that doesn't like submitting to authority. I'm sure if you're saved here this morning uh, as a super Christian, uh, you'd probably admit that you don't have much of a problem submitting to what the Lord wants or the Lord himself. But going back to this donkey, let, let's read into it a little bit. Did the Lord himself go and fetch the donkey? No. He called for his disciples to do it. You know, it, if we were to read the story and it went something like, the disciples went and untied the donkey and tried to start leading it, that donkey's not going to move. He's not going to budge. And maybe, maybe Peter goes and grabs the tail, twists it around, he's pushing on this donkey, Maybe John's back there kicking it. And this donkey, he's not moving. He's not going anywhere. And, and maybe Peter says, come on. We're leading you to the master. What are you doing? Let's go. The donkey says, no. I, yeah, I'll submit to the master, but that's the, that's the only authority in my life. You know, how, how true is it that as a saved person, it's quite easy submitting to what the Lord has us to do. Often we don't like the thought of any other authority. In the home, the Lord has set up the husband to lead that family to the Lord. Uh, in a home, the Lord has set up parents to guide that family to the Lord. On a job, the Lord has put the boss to be a godly example. In the church, the Lord has put the pastor to lead that congregation to what the Lord would have them to do. And ultimately, yes, our final authority is the master. So yes, you may have some questions. Which way are you leading me? Are you leading me to the master? Are you leading me the other way? But if they are leading you to the master, hey, it'd be good to follow. When we are submitted to the Lord and His will, it's not hard to follow people who are going that way. Uh, who is your master today? Is it Christ? Is it the Lord? Or is it someone else? If it is someone else, the Lord can help you change your allegiance this morning. One of the most amazing statements in the Bible was in verse 3 of our text. It, it said about this donkey that the Lord hath need of him. When has God ever need anything? Psalm 50, verse 9 through 12. If you want to turn there, this will be the last passage. 
Psalm 50, verse 9 through 12, it says, I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the foals of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. You know, I, I know this is the paradox of, of the Lord's earthly ministry. He is rich, yet he became poor. He owned all things, yet he possessed nothing. He created the stars, yet he had nowhere to lay his own head. He fashioned everything there was from nothing, yet he had to borrow a boat from which to preach the gospel. He created every drop of water that that exists in this world, yet he cried, I thirst on the cross. He created every tree, but he died on a borrowed cross. He created every rock, yet he had to borrow a tomb in which to be buried. He used the clouds as his chariots, yet he had to borrow a donkey on which to ride. He was rich, yet he made himself poor so that those who believe on him might enjoy his riches. The Lord could save sinners, accomplish his work on this earth, and do whatever he wants to do by just a couple words from his mouth. He could choose angels to do it much more efficiently, but he chose to use the likes of you and me. When we're redeemed, released, and ruled, he can use us too. Being a little donkey isn't so bad when Jesus is your master. Look at that, what that donkey got to do. Instead of just being tied to that post, he got to bring glory to God. He got to have Jesus, the Lamb of the world, ride on his back. You know what? At the end of the day, no one saw the donkey. Everyone's eyes were on the Lord. I know many times going through life, it doesn't seem like people notice us at all. We're doing the Lord's work, but getting no credit for it. That's okay. We're doing the Lord's work. That's exactly what we're intended to do. We're bringing glory to God, and that's all that matters. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you this morning. God, I know, Lord, you've spoken to my heart through this. God, I just pray that if you've spoken to anyone else, they would do business with you this morning. God, I just pray that, uh, Lord, you'd help us to be willing vessels, Lord. You don't have to use us, but yet you choose to. So, Lord, I just thank you for that.